So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Colleen Elleridge, otherwise known as Coach Colleen, is an HR professional who is passionate about transforming workplaces through leadership, communication, and engagement. Specifically, she is passionate about empowering women to step into their leadership shoes. For over 15 years, Colleen has helped thousands of people achieve maximum results in both their personal and professional lives. And if that weren't enough, Colleen will also show you some amazing strategies that can help you achieve more success, create better boundaries, and find purpose. So get ready to have fun and learn how to get more accomplished in your life than you ever thought possible with time left to breathe deep and enjoy life. Without further ado, here's Colleen. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thanks for having me. Like, I'm so excited for you. Like, I've loved watching your journey and seeing all the cool things that you're doing and just really seeing you kind of step into your own. It's been fun to watch from from my end as a friend. Uh, Well, I would say the same thing about you. So to tell our listeners a little bit about our relationship. We've known each other since college and thank goodness for social media and being able to (laughs) let us keep in contact. But just, you know, I I was thinking back to back in college and knowing how vibrant your personality was back then and now seeing where you are now and what you're doing. I just honestly, I'm not surprised in the least to watch you inspire the world around you. So um, I'm, I'm glad to, to be able to keep in contact and let other people hear your story. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that I love most about social media, too, is we don't have to talk every day, but I still feel I get connected to you and get Mm -hmm. to see pictures of your family. Mm -hmm. And um, that just really helps, I think, kind of maintain some of those relationships that you still care about the person, but you may not see them for months or years at a time. Yeah, absolutely. But I wanted to start, you know, despite our being friends for so long, I actually did not know much about your childhood. And um, on social media, you've shared some of your story um, about the death of your father and how his choice affected the trajectory of your life. Would you share some of your story with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny because if you probably would have asked me that five years ago, I would not have. Mm. Um, So the journey to not just forgiveness, but also sharing and recognizing that sometimes the things that cause us the most pain are the things that are our greatest blessings and gifts. So um, about a month before my fourth birthday, my father committed suicide. And it was one of those things that i don't have very many memories of my father. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a good part of my life, I did not know that he had committed suicide. For most of my childhood, my mother, uh, trying to protect my brother and I said that he died of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of grew up with this like mythical creature. You know, I think when you have a parent that's not in the picture, it's easy to imagine that they would be this amazing and great person because they never Mm. had to tell you no, you know, they never had to discipline you. Mm. They never had to tell you no. And so all, all of a sudden this person is like the most amazing person. So I really held my father up on this pedestal Mm. for a good part of my life. And then when I was about 16, my mom sat my brother and I both down and told us the truth. Um, and gave us these letters that he had written to both of us right before he committed suicide. And it was such a pivotal like shift in my life. And it, it, there was this moment of everything that I knew to be true was now a lie. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't distinguish that from anything else. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, well, what else is a lie in my life? Mm -hmm. And it was, I just remember in that moment, it was just so painful and so 
like, I don't understand, like, why would he do this? What did I do? And even though there was nothing that I could have done to prevent it, it became, well, what could I have done to prevent it? Right. And so, you know, I didn't really know how to process that. And at that time, there were not as many resources, I think, for um, suicide prevention or even families of survivors of suicide. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of like we had the conversation and then that was kind of it. And so I just remember thinking, like, I don't I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want like it's just it is what it is and it's done. And I didn't realize how much that was impacting me until much later in life when, you know, after college, so many of my friends were getting married back to back. And I've, I've been in 17 weddings. Well, I know. That, that really. just goes to show what a good friend you are. <laughs> <laughs> that is evidence. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, I would go to all these weddings and they would just be the most amazing time. And I remember feeling like this mixture of physically ill and anger all rolled into one every single time a father daughter dance would happen. Mm -hmm. And I would be so incredibly happy, happy for my friends, but also just so resentful Mm -hmm. that they had this experience that I would never get to have because that's like the moment, right? Like besides Mm -hmm. like the kiss, that's Mm -hmm. the moment that everyone really looks for. And I just remember at one wedding thinking, this isn't normal. Like Mm -hmm. this, that's not a normal feeling to have. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to do something about that. Um, That didn't happen until several years later, but I just remember having this awareness, like that's not really Mm -hmm. a normal feeling, Mm -hmm. but I will say this, my mother is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I feel very fortunate that if those circumstances had to happen Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. that I had a mother who's amazing and a brother who's amazing. Mm -hmm. And we developed this very close tight knit, like we call ourselves the three musketeers Mm -hmm. because we just were for so long. Well, so you mentioned several years ago that you were still holding on to this anger as a result of your father's choice and that Mm -hmm. that anger was impacting the other areas of your life. So, how did you finally come to terms with releasing this anger and pain to forgive? So he was my boyfriend at the time, but now he's my husband. Mm -hmm. We were um, traveling and we were going to go through Birmingham, Alabama, which is where my father's family's from and where my father's buried at. And he said to me, Colleen, maybe we should swing through Birmingham and go by and visit your father's grave. And I just remember like kind of blowing up at him. Like, Mm -hmm. why would I want to do that? That's stupid. Like that doesn't make any sense. And he looked at me and said, why are you still so angry? Mm -hmm. And I, I said, I'm not angry. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and he said, Colleen, I've known you for a long time now. You're, you are angry. Like this is, you are very angry. And it's very clear to me that you're still very angry at him. Mm -hmm. And my husband is like retired military. He is like not a super emotional, touchy feely person. So for him to pick up on that, I knew that there had to be some truth to it. And so literally in that moment, I was like, you're right. And this is not who I am. And I just remember thinking, this is not, I'm not an angry person. This is not who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I, sought out going to therapy. And so I went to therapy for several months to kind of work through it. But really, it was two major shifts. One, I made the decision that I wanted to forgive him, Mm -hmm. because I knew that all of these years not forgiving him caused me to hold on to this anger. Mm -hmm. And I was tired of that. Like I was tired of feeling like I needed to leave the room at weddings. Mm -hmm. And then two, Um, I saw, I just could see the impact that it was having, not just in my relationship with my husband, but also in my business, it was causing me to like fear abandonment because or fear, like I wasn't good enough to ask for the, the business. Right. And I was just tired of living like that. And so definitely going to therapy, making the choice to forgive Mm -hmm. and, and really like I journaled a lot about it. I prayed a lot about it. 
And I always feel like I should tell people it was single handedly the hardest thing I've ever done, Mm -hmm. but the most important thing that I've ever done too. And I think sometimes people like to package forgiveness, like it's just this one and done and it's super easy Mm -hmm. and you just make the choice and it's not. And sometimes, um, the bigger the pain, the harder it is to like process and mm-hmm. forgive. Mm-hmm. And you've been quoted as something that it's forgiveness is something that you have to do again and again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. that, I think that's such good wisdom that we think, okay, we're making this choice and it's one and done, but it, it mm-hmm. takes years and it's a daily choice. Yes. And you know, it, it, big events have a way to kind of bring things back up again. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type of person, you know, when I first started this journey to forgiveness, I thought it was just kind of a one and done thing too. Like, all right, it's done. Put it in the box, make a check. Let's move on. And I would like get so mad that when something would happen and I'd have to kind of go through the process again of forgiveness, like, gosh, why can't this just be done? You know, why am I still Um, dealing with this? Exactly. Or I thought that I was through dealing with this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got married last March. And even that whole process of planning the wedding was brought up so many things for me. And it started with the invitation. Do I list my father's name on the invitation? Uh Do I not list his name on the invitation? Uh And then I'm mad that I have to think about these things Mm -hmm. that other people don't have to think about. And so then the process began again. And so it's this ongoing thing. And I think, you know, if I decide to have children at some point there, that will come up again, Yeah. but it's the best choice because it's better for me to choose forgiveness and choose peace Mm -hmm. than to choose anger. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, it strikes me and I think it's really important just to know and to be mindful of that, you know, the college age Colleen that, that I've always known and the Colleen that I still know now is just joyful and driven and energetic. And I had no idea the pain that you held inside. And I think it's just an important reminder for all of us that we don't know what people are dealing with and the hurt they have on the inside, just because they have a smile on on their face. And just this idea of extending people mercy and grace, um, because we just don't know what people are going through. Well, and I think, that's so important. And I think too, like everybody has something, Uh you know, even if it's not a recent something, everybody has something Mm -hmm. that they're working through. Mm -hmm. And the biggest lesson for forgiveness that I've learned Mm -hmm. was extending grace and mercy and compassion Mm -hmm. and empathy towards my father, Mm -hmm. because I think I spent a good part of my life approaching it from the perspective of, why would you do this to me Mm -hmm. and how selfish it was. And once I approached it from a place of love and forgiveness, Mm -hmm. my heart literally broke for him because for me, it became, gosh, I'm so sorry that you were in so much pain that you felt like that was your only way out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I can't even imagine how that could feel to a person Mm -hmm. to genuinely feel like that was their only way. Mm -hmm. And then that made me, one, see him as a human mm-hmm. and two, s- see someone that was just truly hurting and yeah. really, how could I not have compassion for that? Because mm-hmm. if I saw someone get in a car accident, mm-hmm. I would have compassion for that, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's been the biggest lesson is we're, we all have something and how we choose to process it. Mm-hmm. We handle things differently. And I think also understanding too, that my father had mental illness. And I think um, we tend to, as a society, still stigmatize that. And that's one of the reasons why I've gotten so much more comfortable talking about it because Mm -hmm. I want to help break the stigma. Um, But it could be any of us. It it literally could be any of us. And knowing that, Mm -hmm. it just gives me so (laughs) much grace towards anyone that's struggling with anything. Right. Well, in, in such a tragic time in your life, you have said before that there were people who gave to you and your family in extraordinary ways. So can you mm-hmm. tell us some, about some of the ways that people surrounded you and your family with love in your time of need? Yeah. So it's funny because I don't ever remember 
thinking at the time, like how amazing it was. It wasn't until I was much older that I could see how big of a deal some of these things were. And so I remember one Thanksgiving, we weren't, my mom just like did not have the money to buy Thanksgiving dinner Mm -hmm. and someone dropped off an entire Thanksgiving dinner at our house. Mm -hmm. Like just knocked on the door, dropped it off, didn't, expect anything in return. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking like, well, that's odd, but (laughs) wow, that's cool that we have this Thanksgiving dinner. And, Mm -hmm. um, and even at Christmas one year, we had people that came and dropped off presents for my brother and I and, and dropped off a Christmas dinner. And so there were always these people that showed up in big ways. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we knew them and sometimes we didn't. Mm -hmm. I always think about my second grade teacher who, um, you know, because I was raised by a single mom, she, my mom had to drop us off at school earlier than the school opened. Mm -hmm. And in order to get to, to work it on time. Right. And my second grade teacher agreed for two years to show up to school early to sit with my brother and I every single day until the school opened. Mm -hmm. Like it's things like that, that are, have been such important lessons for me that it doesn't take money. It Mm -hmm. doesn't take anything, but the willingness to do good Mm -hmm. and to show up and to show up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. Well, not funny necessarily, Mm but a friend, a really good friend of mine um, has over the course of the last probably three years had several deaths in her family and I have shown up to every single visitation. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, I I don't, like, you don't have to come. Like Colleen, you don't have to come. I'm like, I know I don't have to come, but I can't fix anything. And this is the only thing Mm -hmm. I can do Mm -hmm. is show up. Mm -hmm. And if you need me to watch your kid while you're busy with the funeral, I will do that. Mm -hmm. But I'm here. Even if you don't need anything, I'm here. And I think we take that for granted, just the power of showing up for someone. Mm -hmm. So you have written before uh, that the good and the not so good, we're all in line of learning, growing and becoming the woman that you want to be. What, Mm -hmm. what drives you to succeed and what drives you to help other women reach their potential? So one of my biggest drivers um, to just keep going is seeing other women succeed. And I say that because I get so much from seeing women step into their own life Mm -hmm. with intention. And I think so many times we as women are kind of told to kind of put our needs on the back burner Mm -hmm. and not go after the things that light us up. When I really feel like, especially as mothers, we teach our children that it's important to, to care about things and to go after the things that you want. Mm -hmm. And and so for me, seeing women kind of step into their own lives and be really intentional about what they want is so like, it gives me life. Mm-hmm. The other big thing that really motivates me and inspires me, um, and it's, I never really thought how much this specific verse is a guide for my life, but this verse kind of shapes everything that I do. And it's Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men Mm -hmm. that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. And that has been kind of the, the basis for who I am as a Mm -hmm. person, for how I've run my business, for the brand that I'm building. Everything I do really is a direct reflection of who I am as a person, who I am as a Christian Mm -hmm. and really like the love and mercy that I have gotten through my relationship with God Mm -hmm. and and wanting to pay that forward. Yes. And it's, it's interesting because I tell people all the time, like some of my best ideas, I feel like God wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) to give me. Uh And I'm always like, gosh, why, why does it have to be three o'clock? And I know why, I know why it's because I'm, 
moving all the time, you know, I'm like on the go. Yeah. And I feel like God is like calling. I know three o'clock is the time because Mm. your entire house is quiet. You are quiet. And so if I really want you to hear this message, this is the moment. (laughs) And so, you know, even when I speak on stages and I've been so lucky to speak on large and small stages in front of some really amazing people, it is never about me. And Mm. Before I speak, I always say this one prayer, God, how will you use me today? How should I show up? Who would you have me serve? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And I proceed from that. And so I think because that is such the strong basis for what I do, and it's about getting a message to people that need to hear the message and I'm, I always say, I don't feel like I'm saying anything groundbreaking. You know, I feel like sometimes people just hear it from the person they need to hear it from. Right. And I've been lucky enough to be that person for a yeah. lot of people in some circumstances. Yeah. To be, to be the instrument that he can use. And just that, mm-hmm. I love your prayer and that posture of, um, just that humility and, and just to, the desire to give him all the glory. That's beautiful, Colleen. Well, but Rachel, here's the thing. If it's about me, then I'm going to get nervous, right? Because then it's like, it's it becomes an ego thing. It becomes mm-hmm. how how can I make people mm-hmm. laugh? How many yeah. applauses can I get? Yeah. When it's not about me and about being of service, then I, I care, but I don't care what happens on the mm-hmm. stage. I care about delivering a message that mm-hmm. needs to be delivered. Yeah. Well, so speaking of some of these messages that you deliver, one of the ways that you've done this is you have something called the Monday morning pep talks, and it's a weekly mm-hmm. email motivation that you have now turned into a book. So yep. tell us about this project and why you have found it so important to show Mondays some love. Yeah. So this has been, besides getting married last year, the thing that I am the most proud of that happened last year. Mm -hmm. So about three years ago, I started sending out these emails called Monday morning pep talks. And I had no real intention with it, but to give people um, inspiration on a Monday, because I don't know how often you are on social media, but (laughs) I feel like every Sunday people are posting things that are Oh, I'm already dreading going back to work tomorrow. And then every Monday, everyone's already dreading the Monday. And right. I really wanted to be a source of light on a Monday. So how can I inspire people to live more intentionally and more inspired on a Monday? Because often what I've seen is if you don't start your Monday off on the right track, every other day is going to go progressively more downhill. So let me give you this little dose of quick inspiration on a Monday that takes less than five minutes to read, but really gets you started on the right track. So when I started sending them, it was like my mom and five friends. (laughs) (laughs) And I would go and speak at events and I would go and speak in, in companies. Half of the work that I do is, um, company, like professional development in companies. Mm -hmm. And so I'd go and speak at these companies and I would say, Oh, by the way, I send out these emails called Monday morning pep talks. If you're interested, here's a sign up sheet. So people would sign up and then they started forwarding them to their friends. So then they started signing up and it got to the point once I got uh, like 200 emails, mm-hmm. I thought I should probably manage these a little bit better. Right. <laughs> so I've got like a MailChimp to, to store these email addresses and to send out the emails. And, mm-hmm. um, and now I have like 2,500 people that are signed up for it and get these messages every week. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, part of it too was just, there was a time in my life that consistency was not something that I could do really well. And Mm -hmm. so I would say, I really want to remain engaged with people on my email list, but I would send out an email like once a month. Well, you can't build relationships that way. Mm -hmm. And so calling it Monday morning pep talks meant that I had to send it out every Monday. (laughs) It's it's holding you accountable. It it held me accountable to doing the thing that I really wanted to do. 
And so even, you know, a year ago, I still wasn't thinking I'm writing these to put them in a book. Mm -hmm. I actually had started working on a separate book and it was another one of those God woke me up at three o'clock in the morning. And all I heard was Monday morning pep talks. Yeah. And I was like, what? And it was like Monday morning pep talks, your book, Monday morning pep talks. And then it all made sense. Yeah. Like it all made so much sense. And that's what I love so much about this entire journey mm-hmm. is looking back. So many things start to make so much sense that didn't make sense at the time. Mm-hmm. And if I would have gone into writing these Monday morning pep talks with the intention of creating a book, they would not be the same thing that they are now Mm. because I would have gone into it thinking, overthinking it and not probably being as authentic as what I was, as I was writing them every week. And so when I heard that message, it was just like, Oh, well, of course I already have all this material. (laughs) God provides. Exactly. (laughs) It's like Colin, you've been doing the work all this time. Why would you recreate the will when you've literally Mm. have been steadfast in the work that you've been doing? And so I, I put a bunch of them together and I knew that I wanted to write content specifically for the book too, that had not gone out to any of anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wrote 10 that are brand new just for the book and it's, it's just worked. Like it's been, I I always jokingly tell people I was so concerned about getting the book out that I never thought about how to actually market the book. (laughs) I I just wasn't, it was not a factor. It was just like, I just want to put this book out. Like I'm so proud that I said, I wanted to do this book. I'm doing this book. I just want to get the book out. I'll figure out marketing stuff later, which in retrospect, maybe wasn't the smartest plan, but the first month that it was out, it sold 500 copies. Mm, Yeah. And for someone who is like self-published, not, you know, it was just a big deal for me. Yeah. It Um, is a big deal. Well, and and I think that it shows that it was meeting a, a need. And then mm-hmm. if God provided before, then he's going to yeah. provide again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'd say, you know, the biggest highlight of this book is people send me messages daily mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. book. And I was in a meeting on Tuesday and a couple of women came up to me and they said, Colleen, I got your book um, in November and I love it. It's so good. And I basically use it as a devotional. Yeah. And it like, oh, like I seriously just got chills right now thinking about it because I just love, I love that it is what it, exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, even though it's not necessarily written as a devotional, mm-hmm. that is always been kind of the underlying intention of the pep talks. Yeah. And that's why we use devotionals, right? We yeah. use devotionals mm-hmm. to connect mm-hmm. and to, to be intentional about things. And mm-hmm. so that's, it's not written in that way, but I love that people are using it in the ways that they find of mm-hmm. the most value. Right. Right. Well, I find it interesting. I actually have a background in human resources too, and you do. Uh And the fact that you, you know, even with that background, you say your mission is to create a better work and better life for people. So not only are you an author, um, but you sort of alluded to that you have, you own your own business. It's called Be More Consulting. Mm -hmm. And you are also known as Coach Colleen. Mm -hmm. So what would be some, maybe some of your best recommendations for people who are, are desiring to be more? Perfect. So the reason that I named my company be more, a couple of things. I love bees like bumblebees. I just think that they're really fascinating. And if I had to pick one animal that really summarizes my entire life, it would be the bee. And it's the bee because of this they are not supposed to be able to fly mm-hmm. like the physics behind their body weight and their wings. They're not supposed to be able to fly and yet they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think about how like the circumstances of my life, the narrative of what my life should have been like and mm-hmm. what it is 
defies the expectations. Mm -hmm. And so when I named my company Be More Consulting, and if you ever see it on anything, you'll notice there's a B in the logo for that very specific reason. Um, It really was, I wanted to show people and businesses that your circumstances don't define who you are. Mm -hmm. Your circumstances are just something to teach you, but they do not define who you are. And so I truly believe that we all have the capacity to be more than any circumstance that life throws at us. Mm -hmm. And they are really just opportunities for us to grow. And one of my favorite quotes is make your mess your message. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, so many times we try to hide behind our circumstances or feel shame about our circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I, could tell you, I could write a whole book on shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Brene Brown, but I mean, mm-hmm. from like the personal perspective of the shame that I felt around my father's death and just mm-hmm. how people reacted when they found out, which then caused me to feel more shame. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, so many people have reached out to me after they've heard my story and said, you know, my brother committed suicide or my aunt committed suicide. And I, I was carrying around so much pain. Thank you for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. It's giving me courage to share. And so I just feel like our circumstances should not define who we are, but they should elevate us to levels where we can do more good in the world. Mm. That's good wisdom. So uh, one of the many things that I admire about you is your courage to try new things. You actually recommend allowing ourselves to be bad at something and Mm -hmm. say that the cost of success is awkwardness in the beginning. Yes. So how do we get the courage to take to take chances and to learn to sort of mute the judgment of those people around us? So you have to get comfortable being a hot mess for just a second. (laughs) And I think that that starts with things that are of no consequence. So I wrote about how I took these hip hop dance classes last year and Rachel, like, I mean, you know me, I am not a good dancer. Like me either. I can't do Zumba. I can't Coordination is not my thing. So it's like, for me, it's like the lack of coordination and sometimes like getting the rhythm of things. Uh And so I'm just not good at it. And so I remember they, they have this, they had a lyrical dance class and hip hop dance class. And I took both of them for a month. And I did that because I really, it was of no consequence if I was good at it, it, right? Like I wasn't doing a recital. It it wasn't going to be recorded. (laughs) It was of no consequence, right? right? And so um, I remember the first day I showed up and I told the woman at the front desk that I was here. I started going for the lyrical class or I was going for the hip hop, but got there too early. So the lyrical class was about to start mm-hmm. and, you know, I watched, so you think you can dance and thought it looked so easy. <laughs> and I was like, lyrical. Yeah, I could probably do that. Yeah. And she asked me what my intentions were, like what, what goals I had. <laughs> and I said, Oh, like n- none. I just really want to try it. And yeah. she said, oh, so you're not like trying to do, and I said, oh no, I'm not auditioning for Juilliard or anything. I just like (laughs) want to try it. And she looked so surprised that Mm -hmm. it really kind of reminded me that we don't do that enough Mm -hmm. where people just show up and are willing to try. And when I say that I was awful, I am not exaggerating. It was me and I was, you know, 33, 34 Mm -hmm. at the time in a class with a couple of 20 year olds and then some 15 year olds who have way more flexibility and like (laughs) bone ability than I do. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, it was fun. It was so much fun to just go and not care because what difference does it make if a 15 year old thought it was funny that I couldn't like do a move. Right. Right. And so starting with things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, helps you build up that muscle to try other new things. And I think so many times people try to start with something that is really important and then they get embarrassed instead Mm -hmm. of starting with things like, 
try to bake a cake. You know, if you've never baked a cake, try to bake a cake from scratch. Try to, try to do all of these little things that you start building up momentum and confidence. That way you can step into these bigger things because we limit ourselves so much and we stay stuck in Mm -hmm. day after day, year after year and think that that's a life when really there's so much more out there, you just have to put yourself out there to try it. Yeah. And just, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking about just having fun, you know, yeah. get so serious in life. And, and just for me, it's just this fear of failure. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be seen um, in a light that I don't want to be seen in, I guess. Yeah. But you know, Rachel, here's the thing. If you think about your life, right. Where did you learn the most? You didn't learn the most when everything was going great, right? You didn't test your faith the most when everything was going great. Mm -hmm. It was those moments that you were struggling through something that you learned the most valuable lessons that you connected Mm -hmm. to your faith even stronger. And so I think we don't want the tough times, but the tough times is exactly what makes us who we are. Mm. Uh, Yes, it does. You're challenging me, girl. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the quotes that really resonated with me is that we think we have to take big leaps of faith, but really it's just a walk of faith. Mm -hmm. So simply taking step after step after step that um, that we, you've recently reintroduced Vision 2019, which is a free course for women to get an action plan to make their dreams a reality. And the Bible says that without vision, people will perish. Mm-hmm. So why is having vision so important to you? And what are some action steps that you would recommend for us to take right now? So I'm so passionate about helping people create vision for their lives because I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I've had this experience where I have felt like I've woken up on December 31st and thought, what did I even do this year? Uh How did I get to December 31st and what did I do? And really feeling like I was not present in my own life. And Mm -hmm. so I think that one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about creating vision in your life, creating a vision for your life is once you can see it, then you can be it. And oftentimes people think that you have to become this person first. You will never get to be the person that you want to be if you can't see it first. And so getting really, really clear on what it is that you want in your life, what it is that you don't want in your life, what is it that you want your life to feel like and look Mm -hmm. like and be, Mm -hmm. those are such important steps and people tend to not take that first step. So they just kind of wait for someone to approach them to say, this is what your life should look like, mm-hmm. or they wait for permission to do something, especially as women, mm-hmm. when really it starts with creating the vision for your life. I oftentimes describe it as if you were to get in your car and you needed to drive to Seattle and you weren't looking at the map, you would have no way of knowing how to get there. And so you would just start aimlessly driving around Mm -hmm. without any direction or clue on how you're actually going to get to Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so many times when I'm working with women one-on-one or in group coaching, um, one of the first things that I ask them when they come to work with me is, what is it that you want from your life? And they will say something, some variation of, well, I just want to be happy. Yeah. And then I will say, great. What does that mean for you? Mm. And inevitably the next answer is I have no idea. It stumps us. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's like so crazy to me because it's like, well, if you don't know what's going to make you happy, how will you know if you're actually happy? How will you know when you've achieved that if you don't even know what it's going to take to get you there? And so helping people create the vision and then they get the clarity. And I think with clarity comes the confidence to start making those steps in the right direction. So Mm -hmm. for me, that the vision 2019, this whole seven day challenge that I do is really about 
one, shifting your energy from last year to this year Mm. and two, getting you to a place where you are making decisions from the vision that you have for your life instead of where you're at right now. Mm -hmm. I think um, just because it's January and that's when we're talking right now, I've Mm -hmm. been focused on, you know, resolutions and my word for the year and um, but just just thinking about the importance of being specific, which is what you just mentioned, but then writing it down, mm-hmm. you know, really, and always keeping it in front of you. Um, I think that's so important. And my word for this year is is faith. Do you have a word of the year? Or do you? Do I do. I like- so I don't do resolutions, um, yeah. but I do do a word of the year. And I I have told someone else this recently, but. Um, my favorite year was 2016 and my word that year was joy. And the reason that it was ended up being such a great year was because I remember just asking the question, does this bring me joy? Mm -hmm. And if it didn't, I just didn't do it, you know? And so it just, I felt like that whole year I walked around in this like, happy pink cloud of joy because I was so intentional about Rainbows it. Rainbows and butterflies. It, it's and kind that. of what it felt yeah. like. Um, yeah. And so this year, my word is health and for lots of reasons um, and not just like physical health, but mental health and spiritual yeah. health and financial right. health and um, all, all of it. Yeah. Cause I think the last couple of years for me have just been a nonstop marathon and mm. When you're trying to grow a business, some things fall to the wayside and my physical health has definitely been one of them. Mm -hmm. But even things like um, thinking more about savings and Mm -hmm. the type of future that my husband Mm -hmm. and I want to have, Mm -hmm. just getting all of that in line, because I think once you feel healthy in all aspects of your life, you make decisions differently. Um, so that's, that's my word of the year. Mm-hmm. You mentioned joy. And so that leads me to my next question. So many of us are familiar with FOMO, sort of the fear of missing out, mm-hmm. but you have coined a new phrase, which is JOMO. Uh-huh. <laughs> Am I saying that right? Yeah. yeah. What does this phrase mean? And how do we find this, this joy? So I actually did not coin the phrase. I read it somewhere and oh. I don't, it, they didn't like, um, name who said it. Yeah. And I have not been able to find it, but Jomo is the joy of missing out. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I talked about that over the holiday season because during that season of the year, we all tend to go nonstop and it's how many Christmas parties do we have to go to and how many events do we have to go to and kids, Christmas concerts, and, you know, all the things, family Mm -hmm. obligations, work obligations. And I think so many times we burn ourselves out or we say yes to things because we're worried if we say no, that we're going to miss out on something. And instead, what I really want people to focus on, and not just during the holidays, but any time of the year, is trying to find joy in saying no to something because it benefits you. So finding joy in saying no and instead staying home and watching a movie with your husband, or instead of saying yes to the committee, really focusing on building stronger relationships with your children. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to say yes to everything, right? right? And finding the joy of just saying no to something because, because you can, but also replacing that with something that you really value. Mm -hmm. And we tend to forget that time is a finite source and we give and we give and we give and we give and not just our time, but also our energy. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why we don't have the time for the things that are really important. Mm -hmm. And so this joy of missing out is really focusing on the things that are most important to you mm-hmm. and making those a priority instead mm-hmm. of making everyone else's things the priority in your own mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Saying your best. Yes. Not yeah. just the yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I 
really, really love. I believe it was one of your Monday morning pep talks, but you actually set your alarm to remind yourself that today will be an amazing day. Mm-hmm. And I think this concept is brilliant and so much fun and such a practical way just to, to change our perspective, to remind us in the middle of our day. And um, mm-hmm. so what are some other ways that you have found that are helpful to shift your mindset to positivity? Yeah. So I love setting the alarm. I have so many alarms set on my phone because I also tend to not drink enough water. And so I have alarms set on my phone to remind me to drink water. I I, I, I do. Yeah. Because it's easy to just forget. I could go a whole day and forget to drink something because I'll just get so busy working. So (laughs) you're inspiring me. I'm going to set some alarms on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. And so because they go off for me, I, need the trigger to just remind me. And so um, I think a couple of things that I do that I find really helpful. One is I write out my goals every single day, every Every single day, day, every day I write them out and I write, I only try to allow myself to have three goals at a time because I think any more than that, you can't really give the energy that you need to give. And then that's when you start to feel overwhelmed. So I write out my goals every single day. Um, I only plan goals quarterly. So what are my goals for the next 90 days? Mm -hmm. And I write those out every single day. And at the end of that 90 days, I reevaluate where I'm at. And Mm -hmm. if those goals are still the same goals that I have for the next 90 days. So the reason that I write them out is because it keeps it front of mind. And this is why I think so many times New Year's resolutions don't work. It's because people get really excited about it for like three days and then they forget by the time, you know, the middle of January rolls around what their intention even was, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, my goals, the three goals are usually short, um, like 10 words or less that I could easily repeat and easily remember Mm -hmm. that way. I'm not constantly thinking about what is it and I'm writing it every morning because then it keeps it front of mind for me. So that's one thing that I do. I do set the alarm to remind me that it's going to be a great day. Um, I also have things like an I'm awesome folder that when I get good feedback or good pieces of news, I put in this folder if I'm having a bad day, I can pull it out to mm-hmm. just remind me that oh, like, yeah, hey, everything's good. And it might be a bad moment and it might be mm-hmm. a bad day, but you are doing so much good in the world. Yeah. Um, and so oftentimes there are these like little things that people can do and they think that they need to overhaul their entire life when really it's about just creating better habits. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big thing that I do is I keep a gratitude journal every night And that started when I was 15 years old. Oprah told me to do a gratitude journal. (laughs) And if Oprah tells us. Yes, (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm an Oprah fan girl. And Oprah said that I need to have a gratitude journal. And so I've kept one since I was 15 and not as consistently at times. But um, I think ending my night focusing on three things that I'm thankful for in that day and not just like, you know, being very specific about those things, right. Right. Really helps me focus on the right things. And so ending my day with a gratitude journal is one of the best practices that I've ever started. And is usually one of the first recommendations that I have for people as well. Yeah. They're also practical. And now, you know, we said, because Oprah said, now we're going to say, because Colleen said. Yes. yes. <laughs> so if, if women want to stay in contact with you, if they want to get their Monday morning pep talks, they want to purchase your book or get coached by you to be more, how can we stay in touch with you? Yes. Yeah, so if you're interested in signing up for the pep talks or the book, you can go to mondaymorningpeptalks.com. Now, before I move on, can I tell you, also yeah. how this is how amazing God works. Yeah. So Please. I, you know, started writing these pep talks. Then God woke me up and told me this is your first book. And I was like, cool. I was 100% convinced that that website would be taken because it's okay. such like a normal term. Yeah. It was available and not yeah. just available. I don't know if you've ever purchased like 
if you've ever looked at purchasing websites with popular names in it. Yes. My name was already taken. So I had to switch mine to like my middle name, you know? Yeah. 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 So if you have like certain terms in it, it can Mm -hmm. like really jack up the price of a website. This website was still available and at like the $14.99 price. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like that was just another validation from God. Yeah. Like, see, Colleen, I told you, you know, yeah. just Confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Providing. yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, I got off on a tangent, but um, so they can go to mondaymorningpeptalks.com. You can sign up to get those every week on that mm-hmm. website. You can also um, order the book off of the website as well. And then the other best way to get in contact with me or stay in contact with me is on Instagram or Facebook. And I post every day there. I will post an inspirational message every single day um, because I always want to provide value to people. Mm -hmm. And so it's just coach underscore Colleen on Instagram and that's C-O-L-E-N-E. And you can find me there. And I answer every message that I get too. So if you have questions or you want to chat, I will chat with you as well. Yeah. And your vision, um, 2019 starts January 14th. Is that right? January 14th. Yeah. 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 And this has been the biggest year yet. We have, um, as of this morning, over 350 women signed up and I know I'm so excited. Um, but what's been crazy this year is a lot of times in the past, it's been mostly like local women, which has been great. This year, I have women from Dubai. I have women from Italy. I have women from Egypt and Jordan and Canada and all of these places where a lot of times I'm like, I have no clue how you found me, but I'm so (laughs) thankful that you're here. Yeah. I think that points back to like when we very first started, we were talking about social media and, Mm -hmm. you know, although the internet and all that can be, it can be a negative, but it can be such a positive too. Yes. It's a resource. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm so excited about this session of it and have such great challenges planned and just allowing these women opportunities to get to know each other and to connect. So, well, I'm looking forward to that too. And um, as we close, you have written before that when people remember you, that you want them to, to view you as someone who is always moving closer to love. Mm -hmm. And I just, as long as I've known you and, and hearing your story now, I think Colleen, that's exactly how I will remember you and the listeners will remember you. No. So Thanks, thank Rachel. you. Thanks so much for being my guest and, and for all your motivation and inspiration that you have imparted. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me so much. And I, again, am so proud of you and I cannot wait to see what 2019 has in store for you. Yeah. Yep. Thanks friend. All right. Have a great one. You too. Bye. Bye. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the Love Offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time.